Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey everybody, welcome back. We're still talking about schedules. Last week we dove into all of the nitty gritty of things to prep for when setting your schedule as a new private practice owner. And today we're going to be diving into frequently asked questions. This is not just about making time to see clients. It's about time to work on your business and still have a good life. Just because you're starting a private practice does not mean you need to sacrifice your well-being in order to make it successful. In fact, if we can do this in a way that enhances your life and gives back to you, that's what we want to do from the start. We don't need to wait for that. Agreed. So here's my favorite frequently asked question right from the start. What is a full-time private practice? How many clients makes it Mm full-time? Well, you get to decide what full-time looks like to you. It used to be in one context, you may have been able to see 30 clients, but in that context, there was an agency and things have already been created and structured. And all you had to do was see client after client and not worry about the marketing or look at the P&Ls and things like that. So your capacity for what is full-time may change and it will change over time too, according to what's happening in your life. We have people who have been diagnosed with chronic illnesses that have had to shift what a full-time caseload means to them. We've had people who are now empty nesters and have been able to expand what a full-time caseload looks like to them. So really a full-time caseload is the number of clients that you can see from start to finish beginning of the day, end of the day, beginning of the week, end of the week, clients get equitable care. They get the same refreshed therapist for every session. And at the end of you seeing clients, you still have energy left for you. Whoa. Kelly just said a lot. Did you hear that? And I'm going to, I'm going to unpack because I know sometimes we throw out um, acronyms. So Kelly threw out the acronym PNL. That is profit and loss. That's part of your bookkeeping um, statement. And you'll learn about P&Ls as a business owner. Um, But let's unpack those pieces. So from the beginning of the day, the first client of the day to the last client of the day that they get the same therapist, right? Now, for me, the person that I see at four o'clock would not get the same (laughs) therapist as the person that I see at seven or 8 a.m. Heck. Even your friends don't get the same friend. That is a true (laughs) statement. I am a morning person and somebody seeing me at five o'clock at night, I don't recommend it. Like, and it's not that I'm a bad person. It's not that I'm a bad therapist, but I don't have the same energy. You're not going to go be, you're not going to be hiking at 5 PM the way you would at 7 AM. Yes. No, (laughs) not at all. Like that's, that's a thing. And so I actually used to see clients sometimes that I wouldn't do it today. My energy has shifted, but I would see them at 6 AM and feel really good about it. But 6 PM was not a good scene. And I felt guilt about that for a while. And then I just decided to, to like really honor this is me. Mm -hmm. And the same way that 
we have clients that they're evening person where they're like, no, you don't want to see me at 9am. You don't want to see me at seven in the morning. I need three hours to wake up. And then by noon, I'm ready to talk to a person. Yeah, And Mm -hmm. then they're like chipper. They're like, oh yeah, seven o'clock clients. Like those are my favorite. Like it's amazing. That used to be me. I would see clients in, in long days. I liked the batching. I batched my clinical work and then I batched my business work Mm -hmm. and it felt really good to me. And then I had a child and that started (laughs) to slowly shift. And then also I discovered that a lot of that was driven by anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, that I was always in an anxious state. And as I've healed that anxiety, um, you don't want to to see me after probably three o'clock, two o'clock. <laughs> so again, and it's not just in the day, it's also through the week. Yeah. So if you, you don't want to do therapy with me on a Friday, I'm going to be resentful. I'm going to want to be on the beach or doing other things. And I'm better at that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or mm. Tuesday, Thursday, no Mondays, no Fridays. I discovered that coming out of weekends, I needed to ease in and focus on the business stuff. Moving out of the week, I needed to ease out and like plan for the next week. So I needed mm-hmm. that kind of buffer, buffer book ending. Yeah. Kind of. yeah. Yeah. And I think that was this, the, the other piece. I did a lot of trauma work. And so for me, the batching was really important And I probably still, you know, I probably wouldn't see as many clients as I, as I used to per day, but I would batch because I felt like I really needed, like I was so ruined by the end of the day. Like I was really done that I felt like I needed that whole day. So I would do a Monday, a full day from like eight to six or what have you. And this is initially. And then again, I adjusted over time to like eight to five or seven to five. And then Tuesdays, I would just do life and take care of myself and, and find my, my rhythm again. And then Wednesdays, and then I would have four days of not seeing clients Mm -hmm. to be able to like really fully recover. And I think some of that was because I was not as embodied. I didn't have as many tools as I have today. And what's interesting is even though I think that I could better work with the trauma today, I probably still wouldn't choose to do trauma work every single day. Like, I I think there's a something in that, in in that rhythm that I would still want to really create kindness to my body. There's this fun thing that we do when people are setting their fee for therapy that I think also applies to setting your caseload. So people, when they are starting their practices, we will ask them, okay, look at your schedule. How many clients can you see? And then how many clients do you ultimately want to see in your practice? And whatever that number is, we're challenging it. Like Mm -hmm. keep pushing lower and lower and lower or higher and higher and higher. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I said to you, Miranda, I want to see 25 clients when I'm starting my practice, a full case will be 25. Yeah. Okay. How about 30? Yeah, I can't, I think I could do 30. How about 35? Oh, no, no. Now I'm feeling nauseous. Okay. All right. So then, so we'll go, go back to 25. How about 20 clients? What do you notice? I mean, that would be really, really nice. That would feel really nice. How about 15? There's no way I could do just 15. But how does your body feel when you think about 15 clients and you're taken care of? Like, we're not talking about like, you don't have enough income, but you have a good income. And like, you have 15 clients. And they're getting, they're getting the full of you. 
What would it be like? I mean, that'd be amazing because then I could pick up my kid from school every day. Then I would be able to do some of my hobbies. There's a certification I've been wanting to do, but I just haven't had time for it. Hmm. If it's possible, I would want to do 15. How do you think it would impact your clinical work if you were only seeing 15 clients a week and you had space for a balanced life and to be able to dig into that clinical development? I could see how it made me a better clinician in that I could take time, like I could read between sessions and, and have consultation and, and have more time to be with the content, Mm -hmm. but I feel guilty. Ah, right. And, and I know that like, it seems like maybe we plan that or what have you, but these are really common. Like, this is exactly how these conversations go. And this is just us playing and improving with it because we've had these conversations so often. And I think this like guilt and shame of, 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 wait a minute, that's not a 40 hour week schedule. And yet when we start to unpack it for a lot of people, like I've talked with people on the phone and I'm like, how many clients are you seeing? They're like, I'm seeing 35 clients a week. I said, so you're working 60 to 70 hours a week. They're like, no, I'm seeing 35 clients. I said, but tell me how much time are you working and thinking and about like, thinking about it. <laughs> and they're like, oh no, it's probably, it's, it's probably 75 plus. Yeah. But because people are setting their schedule or setting their, like, this is the amount I'm working just based on clinical hours. And they're not looking at the bigger picture of doing documentation, returning phone calls, rescheduling people, doing the marketing, doing the bookkeeping, all the rest of it. For a lot of people, even at 15 clients, that may still translate into 32 hours of work per week. Yes. Right. And that's not because they're inefficient. That's not because they set anything up wrong. It's because that's literally what it takes to run a business. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so at this, in summary, you get to decide what full-time looks like for you, not yeah. based on what anybody else says and what feels good for you energetically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mm-hmm. intellectually, mm-hmm. so that you still have time for you, mm-hmm. your clients and the people you love in your life. And that's going to look different for all of us. And this takes, this is the thing you can't rush this. You need to take your time and be with yourself and know that whatever number you choose, mm-hmm. you're going to try it. And then you're going to evaluate, is this really working for me? And then you can change it. I'm really <laughs> thinking of, I don't know if there's any Trevor Hall fans out there, but yeah. Trevor Hall has a song. It's like, you can't rush your healing. Yes. And I think for a lot of us, this private practice journey is a lot of healing and undoing mm-hmm. in our work. So like, you can't rush this healing. You can't rush this process of, um, of going through that. Another question we get is how do you keep track of all the things that you need to get done? <laughs> I think it's different for everybody. Um, I used to like, I, I like writing things down. I think it can be really lovely. And I am so freaking neurodivergent on the ADD spectrum that I could have six different journals with six different <laughs> lists of things. Like I'm a mess y'all when it comes to that kind of stuff. And so what I've found over time for me is that I need a mix. So I'm going to have something that's electronic where it can't get lost or misplaced that it's always with me. 
And then if I want to write a, here's what I'm doing today, I can just write that down. And then later on, I can go and mark it off on my virtual list. But that middle ground is generally a good space for me. And over time, I've gotten better at using the electronic lists. But when my stress level is high, I definitely need like that piece of paper. We did a retreat um, last weekend and there was like some final things and I was writing down on paper. Like, I know I'm going to need this physical piece of paper to remember to do A, B, C, D Mm -hmm. when the time comes. I think for me, it is a mix of calendars. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a few Google calendars that all sync together. Um, And in those calendars, I keep my personal appointments and my business appointments. So I'm not double booking and I can make sure that things are balanced. I even have in my calendar when my, I have a hard stop for work Mm. each day. And then we use a sauna for a lot Mm. of our tasks, especially reoccurring tasks. It's just our tool. We aren't saying you have to use a sauna, but it's an example of a tool where you can put in reoccurring tasks. So I'm reminded, for example, I put in there review quarterly financials every quarter. I have bookkeeping in there monthly. I have um, reviews for staff in there. You know, all Mm -hmm. these kind of admin things, it needs to be somewhere with a due date. I think Mm. there is something about putting a due date on it that is helpful. And for me in Asana, if it's overdue, it turns to red and I hate that. And it's a motivator for me, but that's Mm. my personality. And I have a rule. If I do the paper thing, I also have like a little whiteboard at my desk. Like you have, mm-hmm. I make a note. If there's something on it, I clean it at the end of the day and anything that's on it needs to go into the digital world. Yeah. yeah. And I think, uh, so that's interesting for me too, in terms of Asana, if I have too many things that are turning red, I get stressed out and I shut down. And so it can be really important for me to go in and adjust yeah. the timeframes and go, oh, am I being unrealistic with myself? Yes. And like, no, this needs to be three weeks from now, or this needs to be two weeks from now so that I can then go, all right, I just have these three tasks for today. And then suddenly that opens me up to be able to get things done. That's a really great point. Another thing that we stress when we are coaching people in business school is that your weekly tasks should be about three to five. Yeah. Any more than that, you might be over committing. Yeah. And that's, and I agree with Miranda, when it gets all the things getting red and they're overdue, I've just either overestimated what I can get done mm-hmm. or I just need to reprioritize. Like something needs to shift. There's not something wrong with me. Mm-mm. It's that I need my business to fit better to me. So yeah. we need to remove the shame. So using some tools like calendar systems, um, task management kind of systems. Yeah can help you keep track of all the things. We have a list of things, you know, that are quarterly, annual, monthly, and then people just take that and they put it into the systems that they're testing, especially when you're starting. Yeah. You're going to test a few different ways of doing things until you figure out what works for you. Yeah. All right. Here's another favorite question. Mm-hmm. If you could only outsource one thing when you're starting out, what would it be? I would outsource the billing and like documentation stuff. Like I would not do that manually Mm. for sure. I lived that life for a brief three months when I started my practice, (laughs) I thought, oh, I can do this on my own. Mm -hmm. Lots of copy machines, lots of like punching holes and making files. Oh my God. And then those (laughs) files stayed with me for seven years because I couldn't scan them all. And Mm -hmm. 
Which, uh, aren't you glad? And you didn't see kids. If you'd seen kids, I actually been- had seen a kid, and I just finally, I'm, I just two years ago <laughs> was able to try the vibe. Yes. Oh Lord, that was a long time. It's a long time to be like um, going through that process. So, yeah, I'm the same. Like that practice management system or your electronic health record to have that automated to have the um, have the process where they're getting the reminders, the credit cards are automated. Oh my gosh. The credit cards are automated. So here's this, this is another hot take and hot tip. People will say, look, I could save a dollar a session Mm -hmm. if I used this other app, like, uh, Hey, there's this new credit card processing. That's not part of my practice management system. Most good practice management systems, they have the billing integrated. So a client can put their credit card in you click a button, it bills them, it tells, it sets it all up and, and adjusts their stuff. You can easily give them a receipt or a, a, a reimbursement form that they need for the insurance. All that stuff is like automated and auto-filled. But people will say, oh, if I do this, I'll save this amount of money. It'll save me $500 a year. And over and over again, there are two things that happen. One is that they spend so much more time doing that activity. They could have seen a client. That they could have seen a client and they could have made a lot more money. The second thing that that I've been seeing over and over again over the last two years is eventually those places increase their fees. (laughs) And so suddenly it's the same fee as it was and you still have more work, but now you're afraid like, well, I've got it set up this way. I don't have time to make it shift and change. I'm telling you y'all, it is not worth it to separate out the financial piece. In my opinion, you need to build it in. We'll talk about that part of building it into the fee and the money stuff next week, but, or in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But I, I think this piece of like, don't make yourself crazy and make sure there's a credit card on file. Mm-hmm. Even if people are going to bring you cash, even if they're going to bring you a check. And by the way, like everyone who complains about the fees of credit cards, like I understand, like it's a racket, but I had a lot of fees from checks Mm. when checks, I had one person that got into this rhythm where it it all happened at once where they had been giving me checks every week. And I was going in probably like every two weeks, honestly, to go to the bank. And then suddenly they like all hit at once and all of them came back. So I had $120 worth of fees. The client had $120 worth of fees, right? Like there was this whole scenario Mm. that needed to happen. And you have that happen a few times. Sometimes people's cards would get stolen or like their account would get stolen yeah. and they'd have to close it and reopen it. All of these things. Like to me, it felt like the stress that I went over also trying to collect a bounce check. Like, come on, y'all. I understand that we don't like the credit card fees, but have you ever co- tried to collect on a bounce check? No, thanks. <laughs> I and I promise you would, you would be way farther in the hole than you are from the credit card fees. And I know when you asked me that question, I wanted to play around a little bit because I think that most people want to say, have my website designed, Oh, get my yeah. SEO. And I want, they S- don't even know what SEO is. Yes. But like, I'm going to explain in a second, but all these like things that are technical mm-hmm. or that feel too hard to do like technical things, SEO is a part of your website to make it findable. 
Um, I've heard that. I've heard outsourcing marketing as another one. Just as a whole. As a whole. I'd rather someone else do that. So I think it'd be good just to briefly touch on when you're starting, why why an EHR, an electronic health record, or outsourcing to a tool like that versus some of these other things yeah. that people are the, it's their automatic yeah. kind of. Like, I don't know how to do websites, so I'm going to do this. So a couple things that happen is people say, well, you know, I'm going to invest like $500 into my business. I'll have someone build a website for me for $500 and not really understanding what it takes to do a website. And so what they will do is they'll hire this person. They'll say, I'll give you a beautiful website. Sometimes it's a family member or a friend mm-hmm. or a friend of a friend. And then suddenly they ask you, well, what pages do you want on your website? And you're like, uh, I, I don't know. What pages do I need? And they're like, well, tell me about your business. You're like, I, I, I don't know. And then they say, well, I just need the copy for each, for your website. And you're like, what's copy? And they're like, what's written? You're like, uh, okay. And then you go and start Googling and trying to figure out what to write. And then they say, hey, so um, what images do you want? And you're like, what, what do you mean? Like what images? They're like, well, what do you want? What, what are the pictures? And you're like going out there going, I don't know what pictures. And then they ask you, well, what colors do you want? And you're like, well, I don't know what colors. And they ask you, what fonts do you want? And you're mm-hmm. like, and then by the end you realize, even if you did all those things and you didn't get stuck, which most people do, they end up shutting down and like the, the website doesn't actually get built. Um, even if you do all those things, you get to the end and go, what did this other person do? Right. They, they just, you know, click the drop down. I want to just say if there's a part of you that was thinking, I want to outsource my marketing. I'd rather outsource my website when I'm starting. It's common to feel that way. And if you stick with us through this podcast, we're going to cover websites. Yeah. We'll cover the marketing yeah. so that when it is time to outsource, yeah you at least know what to look for and how to do that. But it's never, it's not the first thing. The first thing is getting tools together that will serve you and your clients well. Um, And that electronic health record is essential. For sure, for sure. Um, I think the other thing that comes up, if I was to think about in terms of the scheduling piece of this is what do I do if I don't have time, I know we talked about this a little bit, but I think this question comes up. Like, I don't have time for fill in the blank. Like, what do I do? And people get really stuck here. Right. I think again, in last episode, we talked about honoring your life and maybe something needs to change there. And we aren't saying that you need to sacrifice your joy or your relationships to make room for the business. But you do need to be honest about what your capacity is to give to that business. And sometimes people need a lifestyle change. Mm. Sometimes they may even need a work schedule change by like asking their employer to go part-time or they quit their job and get a part-time job Mm -hmm. or they, um, you know, they they have to shift something to make this happen. Mm -hmm. Because if you start from a point of squeeze, you're going to be burnt out before you're even full-time in it. Mm -hmm. And that's, we want to do this in a way that is burnout proof. Yeah. And then there was another question that popped up. I think this is our our final question, which I thought was really juicy. What if I truly have the time? Mm -hmm. I truly have the energy. Mm -hmm. I put it on my calendar. (laughs) And I don't do it. And I don't 
do it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's me in laundry. Um, and it doesn't even need to be on my calendar to be on my bed, like saying, please fold me. And I'm like, nah, um, I totally have the time. Um, I think you have to develop a relationship with your business, just like you do any other intimate relationship. And if you want this business to provide you income, if you want this business to provide you purpose and passion and satisfaction, mm -hmm. what are you going to give it? Because I rest assured, if you had a client schedule, you wouldn't lay on the couch and just not answer the door because you just didn't feel like seeing them. Yeah. If they're there, you're going to get up off the couch, mm -hmm. dust yourself off and see that client. Mm -hmm. But your business is knocking for their appointment with you. Mm -hmm. And how are you treating it? And what are you expecting it to give to you if you can't nurture that relationship? I think there's also another piece is um, that's kind of related to this is sometimes there is something else that this business has gotten like wrapped up in where we have to tease it out. Meaning like I've talked with a lot of people where they realized, oh, if if I give my business this attention, it means that I'm going to have to show myself out in the world. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. um, if this business works, it means that I can't stay stuck in my abusive relationship mm -hmm. any longer yeah. because, you know, because I have to be there because Definitely. of finances. So there can sometimes be some other things that are kind of wrapped into that. And so this process of really getting curious and sitting in the discomfort, even if all you do during the time you're supposed to work on your business is get curious and meditate on, oh, what is happening? Every time I sit on my business, like I feel this like tension coming through my body. Mm -hmm. It Do I have a process where I could like sit with that and meditate or journal with it and like work through whatever's coming to the surface? Like, is there room for that? If that can truly be working on your business, just getting insight and just figuring out how to tease those things apart so that you can connect fully with your business saying your business telling you, for example, you don't have to leave your relationship because you get successful. You just have the option to mm -hmm. like, you're never you, like, you're always going to be in choice. Right. I think that also brings up another point too, of what is knocking on your door. Mm -hmm. Is it necessary? Is it essential? Because maybe you've got a list of stuff that you think you have to do that you don't really have. Mm -hmm. So it's also a good time to not ev only evaluate the relationship with your business or what it means if your business was successful and the fears behind that, but also what are the expectations you're putting on yourself and are they really aligning? Do you, or is it because you really are tired and you do really need to rest and you're going at a pace or a clip that is not sustainable? And this is that part of business being a personal development journey. Mm -hmm. of really learning who you are and how to honor yourself through this mechanism. It's one of the avenues in which you can explore and grow as a human being. Yeah. Ah, so what was your takeaway today? We'd love to hear about it. Feel free to go and uh, rate us over on the wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you are, uh, we have resources for you at zinnyme.com to go and check out. Mm -hmm. And again, just remember like you are needed and not just your overworked burnout self, where you feel like you're a dime a dozen as a therapist, like you in particular, 
have people that you are built to really connect with deeply and have mm-hmm. a deep transformation, people that their whole family lineage is going to change because they met you but we need you taken care of to be able to meet them in that space. In our next episode, you'll get to meet someone that you might kind of relate to and know that you aren't alone as you're trying to figure out how to make time for a business that you love. Till next time, y'all. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay and constantly battling burnout, Don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.